Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we're talking about the traits of a great Christian leader. And Martha and I have spent the last week researching and we both came up with our, our top 10. And we're not going to bring up our top 10 yet because we're not sure we're going to have time to go through all top 10. But we're going to start with each one of us has a top five traits of a great Christian leader. If you'd like to participate in today's show's discussion about the traits of a great leader, maybe you've got some examples or something like that you'd, you'd like to share, call into the studio line. 855-265-2929. Make sure you're calling in to talk about the traits of a great leader. You can also text us during the show. I'm not sure I can figure out how to do all of that at one time because I can't chew gum and walk. But if you want to text us during the show, you certainly can. 727-487-9863. 727-487-9863. But please don't text while you're driving because that's illegal in almost every state in the union. And not a good idea, even if it was legal. <laughs> yes, I, I on our way to the studio today, we watched a, I don't know, about a 2002 Nissan Altima just about hit the wall because this woman was texting and driving. It is an amazing thing. All right, so Martha, here we are. We're, we, we've got the traits of a great Christian leader. And when you and I went through, I, I, I dug up, just so the listeners know this, I dug up 29 traits from a whole bunch of different articles all over the Internet uh, of Christian leaders, of great leaders. 
And I put them all on a sheet of paper, and I said, okay, you pick your top five, I'll pick my top five. Mm-hmm. And what was the cool thing that happened when we did that? Our top, our number one, was exactly the same. That's right. And that was that they should buy lunch for everybody every day in the organization. <laughs> No, but that sounds like a good plan. It does. I'm actually kind of hungry right now. So we could use a show sponsor that's a restaurant that they have food here in the studio for us every day at 5 (laughs) o'clock. That'd be a great thing. Okay, so our number one was? Submission to God. Submission to God. And that fits in because this show is all about I work for him. That's right. And that him would be, of course, our our Lord and Heavenly Father. Or as the New Living Translation says, the Lord of Heaven's armies. I love that. Hmm. That, like that would be the God Almighty thing. You like the thing. military part of that. Uh, yeah, because of blowing up things. Yeah. yeah. Braveheart. Okay, so what does it really mean to submit to God as a trait of a great Christian leader? Well, I think one of the things that it just spoke to me when I saw that as one of the options was that um, recognizing who has eminent authority over us. And um, I think that a, a trait of a good leader is realizing that there's probably always someone leading you or someone over you. And the ultimate authority in our life is um, our Heavenly Father. And so understanding that hierarchy or whatever you want, that ultimately we need to submit to Him in all the decisions that we make and in who we are, and um, that puts us in check. You know, that stewardship thing is really what comes to my mind. It, it, when we, That submission to God, what the businesses that we're running, if that's the leadership, your position. And I really think, let's just back off of this for a second. Because we're talking about, on our, on our, way, on our way to the studio, we're talking to each other in two separate cars <laughs> cell via cell phone. <laughs> and, and one of the things that came up in yesterday's discussion, Jay Lippy asked me, he said, Jim, who's a leader? Hmm. And really what we discussed, and it was Jay Lippy. And it was Jack Clem, the, the president of Clearwater Christian College, J. Lippy with Impact Leadership. We determined that everybody is a leader. And that's what you were learning about today in your staff meeting. Yeah, it was pretty crazy because I went into my staff meeting, which is a monthly meeting, and um, one of the breakout times was this leadership nugget, and it just cracked me up because it was the title was How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And um, it was a whole charge Ooh. on, yeah, isn't that powerful? How and to lead when, when you're, you're not, not in charge. charge. And truly, it, it came down to the fact that leadership is about influence, and you do not have to be the top of the ladder in order to be a leader. Um, you're a leader where you're at, and having influence over those in your sphere of influence. There's always somebody following you. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. It may just be your children at home. Mm -hmm. It could just be your dog. But there's always somebody (laughs) following you. I'm hoping it's somebody else. But we're setting an example for somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. we used the example yesterday in the show that in high school, there were all kinds of leaders who weren't necessarily leaders, and there was all kinds of followers following the leaders that shouldn't necessarily be leaders. But we're all a leader. Right. In one form or fashion. Well, and I think the fact that, you know, we often are emphasizing business owners, but there are a lot of people in business and at their jobs that they're not the main person in charge, but they have certainly have some decision making ability or they lead, even if it's leading a customer, they're, you know, helping them to make a decision or making purchasing decisions, whatever they're doing, um, they're leading in their area. And so really it, it applies to everybody because a lot of times we don't think, oh, I, I don't make a difference. I'm I'm not leading anybody. This isn't for me. I'm going to tune you out. But in fact, um, 
that's one of the things that um, we talked about today in my staff meeting was the fact that you need to, you know, feel empowered. Don't be passive. Don't wait for somebody to lead you better. You become a great leader. Hmm. It says in Hebrews 10:5, when Christ entered the world, he said, here I am, O Lord, I have come to do your will. The most, and then it goes, this just in this explanation of on submission to God, what's it mean? Mm-hmm. The most important characteristic of a good leader is submission to God. When a man or woman is submissive to God and the Holy Spirit, God will direct the person into the ways he can glorify him the best. And that probably summarizes more than anything. Going back to our number one pick for a trait of a great leader is submission to God. And it's because as a leader, in whatever form that may be, our goal our, as a Christ follower is to bring glory to him. That's right. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's our number one. The number <laughs> one on the list. We should have gone. We, we should have gone backwards. But, no, but we didn't this know is if a, we'd make it all the way to this the is a, top. <laughs> this is a Christian show. We need to put God at the beginning. So our number one, submission to God. I can't do Casey Kasem at all, and I certainly am not going to do David Letterman. Okay, so number two on my list was integrity. Uh, and that's you know one of those things you, you got to look at the uh, at the real definition of the word integrity because it means to be able to rely on it that that regardless of whether what's the saying you know you really know whether somebody has integrity by how they act when nobody's looking isn't mm-hmm. that something like that. Sure. I, I probably mutilated that. That's all right. You paraphrase a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's the kind of mind I have. I, I do not quote things direct for direct. I can't repeat great jokes, but I can paraphrase things so people can understand them. How, what does integrity mean to you? Well, I think just being able to, you know, people always say you can remember the truth. If you tell a lie, um, you might have to, you might stumble because you can't remember what lie you told. So integrity is just always taking that right road and making the truthful choices the traits of a great christian leader i'm having a hard time with that one today martha and before the break we started talking about our number one we agreed was submission to god that's right and then i just disclosed my number two which was integrity being able to rely on that person whether you're watching or not but before we get back to that discussion let's talk about that marriage retreat cruise very rarely are you and i in the studio alone where we can just talk about what we want to talk about (laughs) and this is something that's near and dear to our hearts Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that we realized you know we've been doing marriage mentoring for 15 years i'm not telling you anything but we're telling the audience that and when we went back and looked at the list of the couples we work with the majority of them were were entrepreneurial couples. And so that's one of the reasons why we talk about marriage on this business show, because if your home life is stressful, if you're not working on your marriage, if you're not investing in your children, it's going to impact your workplace. So that's why we talk about it. And that's why I work for him is sponsoring a marriage retreat cruise. Martha and I have done I don't, we got to count how many retreats we've done, but we've done five or six or seven marriage retreats. We love doing them. And we just really feel like it's something we need to make sure our audience understands. Martha, why do we spend so much time? Why do we offer marriage retreats? Well, I think that a lot of people really want to learn new tools on how to strengthen their marriage. They may not be in crisis, but they know that it's important to focus on their marriage and to spend some time away um, from the distractions of their regular life. Even though those are good distractions, we sometimes put our spouse on the back burner because they're not screaming um, like something else might be. And so we have found that there's a lot of value in just getting away from normal everyday life and spending some time really talking about 
what impacts their marriage and giving tools to help them to strengthen it and go home with a new resolve to say, you know what, this is really important to me and I'm going to be more purposeful and intentional. And I think the reason we have repeat people is because they see the value in that and they see that, you know, it forces them to make it happen because on our own, it's a great idea. We may say, yeah, we're going to try and get away for a weekend, but it always isn't a priority. You know, last year, I know on the on the marriage retreat cruise, we talked about the fact that you're, the enemy is not your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognizing that you have an enemy, it's not your spouse, and he wants to destroy your marriage. Do you remember some of the other topics we covered? (laughs) I've got my computer right there. We can pull that up. We might bring that up later. But one of the things we recommend to every couple is every day we recommend you spend 15 minutes talking. But we also recommend that once a year you get away where it's just you guys, where you can just catch up, plan for the year, and really invest in each other without the distractions of children around you, without the distractions... Really, if you put the cell phone away, it's fantastic. Just everyday life getting it out of the way. And that's what we're trying to do, provide an opportunity. And we try to get it priced as reasonably as possible. Isn't this year's like 1040 bucks? And that's it is, just a little over everything. That even includes what the, we estimate their cost to park at the terminal would be. So Yeah, and we're leaving right out of Tampa Bay, and we're heading to Cozumel. We'll spend a day on Cozumel. We'll come back. Uh, we'll spend the two cruise days on the cruise at sea days. Wow. The two at sea days mm-hmm. with our marriage retreat, uh, doing a couple of sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Lots of eating, of course. Lots of time getting to know other couples that are also wanting to work on their marriages. That's right. What do you think the best thing is we do on our cruise? Hmm. I think when we have the open discussion time where people give feedback and say, you know, this this really makes sense to me, or what about this area? Um, and honestly, some of the times that we had just when we would casually meet for breakfast before our sessions, um, once we've kind of know who's on the cruise, um, being able to just chat and, and find out where they are at in life. I think those are some of the really valuable times. Can't remember what any of those other topics were, can you? Um, yeah, well, we yeah. when work and family, Clive was one of them. That's right. And we talked about intimacy. Yeah, we did. We had uh, Mark uh, Gunger. Mark Gunger did. Laugh wow, we your did, way to a better marriage. Laugh your way to that was awesome. Wonderful stuff. I'm trying to think of the other videos so, we did. Um, love and war. Love and war. That's right. Yeah, with and the we, Eldridges, right? Yep. Okay. And we specifically talked about you know spending your um, free time with your spouse, making free time to do something they enjoy. And the people so. on the beach, um, the professors from the lesson Leslie, lesson Leslie Parrot. Parent. We talked about, what was that? Communi- communication, wasn't it? That's yep. probably communication. Yep. So we talked about very practical things. Sorry, I can't remember. I was doing it on my spot. We didn't have this prepared for today. But we'd like to invite you personally. You and your spouse, come on the cruise with us. All the information is on our website, iworkforhim.com. I work the number four him.com. And if you can't go, let's just say you can't handle the water. We're going to be doing an on land marriage retreat next year. But if you know somebody that would really could use some time investing in their marriage, just consider sponsoring them or find a couple of people to sponsor a couple. They don't, it, it, maybe somebody can't afford to go, but you could afford to send somebody. Yeah, we had actually a couple of couples that were blessed to be able to come that didn't think they could do it on their own means and people gifted. Um, cruises for them and what an impact that is that's you know leaving a legacy in a whole different way which is very special so we talk about a trait of a great christian leader generosity is that that in your top five um 
No, it was really hard to just limit it to five. <laughs> yeah, it was. Just it wasn't say. in my top five either, but it, it's very, very important. So we'd like to invite you to come on the cruise. Get the word out there. We've only got 10 spots left. So please sign up. Get those spots filled up. we got to fill it up. Uh, and everybody's going to be paid up by November, even though the cruise is in February. Yep. And I, I just a just a point. Two things is one, it's not during hurricane season. That's right. So it's good weather. And um, I will say that the ship that we're going on, you and I got the pleasure of getting to tour it. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it was the so. most ridiculous <laughs> thing we've ever done as we went on a cruise ship for two hours to go tour it. And then we had to leave. We had to leave. Everybody else was coming on and getting ready for a week-long cruise. And we had to get off the ship. That we, was really We sad. met that guy that was going to be on the ship for three weeks because yeah. he was cruising it across back to Great Britain yeah. or something like that. It's Crazy. just unbelievable. All right. So back to the topic of the day, the traits of a great Christian leader. Martha, I gave my number one and two, submission to God and integrity. You gave your number one, submission to God. What's your number two? Continuing to learn. A leader that um, sees the value in continuing to learn and always searching for what they can do better, whether it's listening to sermons or uh, speakers on whatever your industry is, um, looking at things they can read, ask, um, being a part of a, I was thinking of business his way, which that's something that we do um, on a monthly base, basis. With second Friday of every second month. Second Friday of every month. And that information's on our website too. What's but that all about? That is a uh, Friday morning where we get together and with uh, about 10 We're, or 12 other 12 business, business people. people. Yep. And we usually have a book that we have read during the month or studied or a workbook or something like that. We come together and really it's a lot about accountability and keeping each other challenged in our workplaces and in our places of leadership. And um, being involved in something like that is another way of this whole continuing to learn, saying I'm not too high up the ladder to not make time for something like this. So Business His Way, which we do, um, like this month, we're studying a little bit of entree leadership with Dave Ramsey and taking some of those core um yeah, we're just values. talking about his how to uh, reflect Christ in your financials and uh, just focusing on great corporate communication. Yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of you know continuing to learn as a, a trait of a great leader, you know, let's do our book highlight. Okay. Okay. All right. I've got a book that I believe will make it will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life, and this section, as always, is sponsored by Caris Christian Books and Gifts. The book highlight for today is "Be Real" by Rick Bazet. He's a pastor. And really, it's, that's another. That's one of my favorite traits, one of my core values, being real, transparent, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We live in a world of fakers. Rather than being real with each other, we present a carefully crafted persona that hides our faults and magnifies our very good qualities. But inside, we long to be loved, warts and all. We long to stop hiding from each other and especially from God. Be Real is a great book full of fantastic examples. I finished it a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely a must-read and you, of course, can get it at Karis Christian Books and Gifts. And you got to read that book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back talking about the traits of a great Christian leader. Martha's number one and two. Um, submission to God, yep, and then be, being um, eager to still learn. Co- a continuous learner. And my number one was submission to God, and my number two was integrity. All right, so my number three 
is recognizing the value in others. And that was, you know, as a manager, as a leader, obviously everybody has value. Some people need to be told they have value, but recognizing that value in other people and trying to draw it out to a superb level is just so important. I mean, a, a, a great leader invests in other people to bring out the value of them and who they are. God created each one of us so uniquely, as we've talked about so many times, but bringing out that value and enhancing that value as a manager, encouraging that value to come out, that's something I think you know is really important, recognizing the value in other people. And you do that very well. I think you you are a good affirmer, and you see where people's traits are. And I think you understand also as a good leader that the best use of the people that you're leading is is giving them tasks to do that they're good at. Why wouldn't you bring out the best in them and allow them to thrive by doing what they do best? You know, one of the things that I think is so important is that every great leader, whether it's in a small group at church, or whether they're leading a billion-person organization, they need to be developing their perpetuation plan. They need to be developing great leaders within their organization that will help carry on the mission of that organization, whether it's just, like I said, a small group at church, who's the next leader going to be? Or the leader in a great big organization. All right, Martha. I gave my one, two, and three already. My number one trait of a great Christian leader was submission to God. My number two was integrity. My number three we started talking about right before the break, and it was recognizing the value in other people and continually investing in those people and pulling it out. Those are my number one, two, and threes. And again, as you said, it was really hard to pick. It was. Your top five traits. That's right. All right. So what's your number th- Your number one and two? Number one, same as you, submission to God. Number two, continues to learn. And then number three is kind of back to what we talked about at the very beginning, um, being aware of their influence. A trait of a great Christian leader is being aware of where their influence is and how they can use that um, as they lead. And I found this quote that I thought was amazing and powerful, and it said, The greatest thing you can do as a leader is not what you do. But who watches you do what you do? <laughs> okay. I'm sitting here in the studio and I watched you read that. I, people are listening in their cars and at their work and getting dinner ready. I, I think you probably need to read that I one again. I will do it again. Okay. okay. The greatest thing that you do as a leader is not really what you do. It's who is watching you when you do what you do. So the... the impact you're having on the people watching you as you lead is really the greatest thing that you do as a leader. Do you get it now? You look very puzzled. No, I mean, I understand the impact. I mean, because you're the, you know, you judge a great leader not by the things they do, but by the people they impact and what those people do. Mm-hmm. Because great leaders don't draw attention to themselves. They draw out the best in the people that are reporting to them. Sure, which is what you said was one of the important things for you. But the but as a great leader, you need to realize that those people are watching you lead. So lead well, I guess. But you're saying you're a great leader. Okay, don't. don't. No, no, I liked this quote. Okay, just no, I like that. Okay, so, like so your number three again okay, was. Number, number three is being aware of your influence. And going back to what we said about. Um, oh, how do you oh, I, lead when you're not in charge? I, I get it. Leadership is influence. We, we've talked about this all during our, our kids' lives. 
and, and, and as a lead in our connection groups, do as I say, yeah. not as I do, doesn't work. Correct. So a great leader recognizes that whatever they do, everybody that is watching them is going to repeat. That's right. So if they say... Just like with your parents, everybody listen, they all have parents. We've all had parents one way or the other, (laughs) whether they're good or bad, you've all had parents. Mm -hmm. If they said to you, don't drink, don't smoke, don't swear, and don't date girls that do, or guys that do, if that be your case, that's the first thing you want to do, because they were maybe doing those things, don't drink, don't smoke, I mean, all all those, don't swear. It doesn't work to tell your kids not to do what you're going to do. Right. And the same thing with leading. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. p- play that out. So okay. if you tell people, you know, don't go longer than an hour for lunch, but you go over for an hour for lunch for all the time, or don't, you know, don't forget to get your expense report in by the first of the month, and you never get yours in until the 15th, or maybe you never get yours done. It, it doesn't work. Do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work in corporations and small businesses, and it doesn't work at home. Right. So abiding by corporate rules. Um, the things that we know everybody is supposed to do, dress code or being on time for work, those things you are leading by example. So realize that everybody is watching you, um, so you better lead well. So realizing where your influence is and that really everybody around you is your sphere of influence. I so. think probably one of the funniest things, and I, my mom and dad most of the time are listening to the show. One of the funniest things that... Do you hope they're listening right now? I hope they're not? listening. If not, I'll make sure they listen to this <laughs> okay. later. You know, when I was when I turned 16, mom and dad said, listen, you can drive this car. Here's a car for you to drive. If you get a speeding ticket, we're taking your license away. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, you're in my car. We're in a youth group event, and I get pulled over for speeding 47 and a 35, and I got a warning. And I was all worried about it. I came home and told my parents I got a warning. And by the way, I, I still go. That was your fault. You made me reach I into know. my back pocket. To get your wallet out. get my wallet out. We were on a race. Progressive dinner race. Okay. Yeah. So they said, don't get a speeding ticket. So then I... I, I we're 18. We're coming back. We're, we're engaged at this point in time. We're, yeah, we're, we're engaged. we got your mom in the car. Yep. We're coming back. Rochester, Minnesota. I get a ticket for doing 67 and a 55. And I come home and I tell my mom and dad that I got a speeding ticket. My dad said, well, I'm taking your license away. You're going to lose your license for six months. Blah, blah, blah. I said, Dad, did you remember that like two weeks earlier? You got a speeding ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so... I didn't how'd go, that go from there on? I out? didn't. I didn't get my license taken away. Hmm. Yeah, because really, you know, do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. Didn't work for me. So, also a parenting tip: don't threaten your kids with things that you really can't follow through on. That's right. If you're going to be a speed demon, so are your children. That's right. And guess what? My father still a speed demon today. Okay. Mm. All right. So, do as I say, not as I do. That's how I interpreted yours. You say it the way you wrote. It. But actually, it is being aware of your influence. And the other thing that I just wanted to say about that is that great leaders are throughout the whole organization. So um, that is important because you want that leadership influence at all levels of your organization. So um, you don't want just the top leader to be the most powerful leader and have all the great traits and not be building the uh, other leaders up because every 
area needs to have great leadership so that it's running well and you're not having to micromanage all of it. So that's right. Micromanagement is not good management. Business management 101. That's right. Well, that's what this show is all about. Okay. Micromanagement doesn't work, by the way, uh, because when the the guards away, the cats will play or something like that. Okay. No, that's right. When the cats away, the mice will play. That's, that's what it is? Right. And you love talking about mice. No, okay. So my number four, my number one was submission to God. My number two was integrity. My number three was recognizing value in others and, and investing in them to draw it up. My number four on the traits of a great Christian leader seeks good advisors. Hmm. One of the greatest things that I learned from Crown Financial Ministries in 1999 was I need to have trusted advisors that I can go to when I have big decisions to make. What people that I need to help hold me accountable, not just when I'm making decisions, whether I'm a, a, a leader of a big organization or just leading a small group, having people that I know will give me the truth and, and learning that those advisors can't be people that have skin in the game because you can't count on their advice if they don't have skin in the game because now they, they have, they've got something pulling at them. But seeking good advisors, and that's one of the things that we're really working on next for I Work For Him is as we grow the ministry and the, the business mentoring ministry of I Work For Him and then the radio show to five days a week is for you and I to surround ourselves with people that believe in the mission of I Work For Him but don't have skin in the game. They don't have anything to gain from it. That That's super powerful. That's what a good advisor means. Somebody so, that can give you unbiased advice. That's my So opinion. for a lot of businesses, is that a good board of directors? Yeah, I would say. You know, a, yeah, a board of directors. Yeah, board of directors in some places, uh, uh, they uh, we've got a caller. Wow. We've okay, got ca- well, let's take the call. Hey, I'd like to take the call. Ted from Minnesota. Do you have a question for Martha or I? Well, I, I had a, a thought about uh, leadership that uh, on your third point, Jim, that uh, kind of stuck a nerve with me. And uh, I'd had my own business for 40-some years, and uh, I found that on occasion when I'd hire a, uh, a uh, employee that really was more gifted than I was, because my, my career was photography, uh, I found out that he was really a star. Um I, I had the tendency to um, want to uh, kind of play over him, and uh, you know that sort of thing just doesn't work. You, uh, if you have a, a talented person, you should uh, encourage them in their giftedness, and uh, uh, they'll they'll ultimately benefit you. I mean, it's uh, it's just I think it's a natural law, that, but. I, I do think there's a certain jealousy, particularly when you're in one of the uh, crafts or arts, and there's someone that uh, people start going to you, to them over you, and uh, asking for them over you, and there's a pride issue that starts going on, and I, I think that uh, I, my own self, had to, to talk to God about it, uh, because it was, uh, you know, pride goes before a fall, and I, I just didn't want to get in that position. And I had a second thing I wanted to. Uh, well, let me comment mention. on that. Let me comment on that first because that that was my number six top value, and I haven't gotten to that yet because we're not going to have time for it today. But my number six was being not afraid, being being not afraid of others to succeed underneath you, uh, because there is you you the the greatest leaders surround themselves with people that know all kinds of things that the leader doesn't know. And to be able to have those people make him look better. That that so that was my number six. It just didn't hit my top five. What's your second comment, Ted? Well, it, it, it's a little different slant. Um, you, you have people, you talked about people representing you and how they deal with the client 
And one of the things I'm observing, I'm, I'm a, as you understand, I'm a, in business 40 years and now retired, so I'm a really old guy. And I, I, I get to the point where my hearing gets bad, and I, I'm aware that when I talk to a clerk that talks so fast that I can't understand them, uh, one of the disciplines that we were, we emphasized in our business was, particularly on the phone, uh, talk slowly and distinctly, and um, even if it's not your, you know, kind of say something to yourself that says, uh, this person may not understand everything I say, I need to communicate, and I need to be pleasant when I'm doing that. I have to have a smile on my voice and uh, say things that are clearly and understood. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. And every leader should act like that. Ted, I want to thank you for calling in from northern Minnesota. This would be Martha's father calling on the phone. I love that. That was great, Ted. Thanks for listening to the show. We've Do got I to get take to a say hi, Dad. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Say oh, hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. <laughs> and I, and I, wanted, I wanted to call quick before you, you told us a negative story about your father and mother. <laughs> <laughs> you're safe now. Oh, Thanks. No. Oh, no. That doesn't mean you're off the hook yet. Martha? What's your number one, two, three, and your new number four? Submission to God, which we both have the same number one, continues to learn, um, then being aware of their influence. And my number four is optimism. And I really think think that actually um, goes right in with what um, my dad was actually saying about being on the phone and talking to people. And he was encouraging that as in his employees, uh, a really good leader inspires other people to be positive, to have good energy in their workplace, um, to reassure them of the, the where they're at and what they're doing, and really that feeds into my love language as well. So yes, it, does. it all intermixes. You, it's amazing. Optimism <laughs> describes you perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You had a Bible verse you wanted to share. I did, and it's funny because this is another, you were saying that one of your tops came from something you learned from Crown, and this is a verse that we had learned from Crown Financial when we went through that in 1999. You're going to sing it for us? No, I did not memorize these verses through song like Jim did, but um, that is a great way if you need to. But First Chronicles 29.12, I love this one. This one we actually had hand gestures to help us remember it, but it's, Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. And this is, God is the you that we're acknowledging here. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. And that emphasis on the back part is what I was thinking about about leadership today, is that it's God's discretion that allows people to become great and be given strength. And so being given the responsibility, a God-given responsibility of leadership, we need to. That goes back to our number one of submitting to God and understanding that that authority came from Him. The gifts, the abilities came from Him, and recognizing that um, He is who we are to look to for leadership. You know, great leaders are facilitators. I mean, it, it really people that are that are leading organizations or leading groups. They're they're facilitators. They're trying to draw out the best in qualities in everybody around them. And I, I misspoke to Ted on the line. I thought the number six was my was not don't be afraid for others to succeed. It was actually my number five. I, I looked at my list after we got him off the phone. And by the way, for the record, my mother-in-law was in the back seat telling me to hurry up. We needed to get home, which is why I got that <laughs> speeding ticket. ticket. Yeah. That's right. Uh, any, anyway, sorry, Elaine. Okay, so, but not being afraid for others to succeed, we need to surround ourselves with people that will succeed. That's how an organization succeeds. Mm-hmm. And so we need to um, nurture success. We need to encourage success 
because we, you know, the leader of the of whatever it may be can't succeed alone. Well, you can't do it all. And the, But the point is well taken that you need to go to God and ask for him to help you if it becomes a pride issue, because it is really hard to train somebody that ends up doing something better than you. And um, well, First of all, it's hard to train somebody because it takes twice as long to train them as to do it yourself. Yes, but there is much value in training somebody to do it. So, but when Yes, they... I've taken so long training Mike how to do this radio program mm-hmm. at the board. I'm, I'm, you've done such a good job. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> but but to realize that pride can get in the way and that we can see that they're they're doing it better than us and being appreciative of that and thankful for that rather than allowing pride to pull you back in any way. So and but again that goes you know my number 4 being optimism is all about encouraging and 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 bringing out the best in those people as well. All right, so my number 5 was not being afraid to let others to succeed, there you where go. I'm assuming those are people that report to you or others around you, relish in their success, relish in the things that they're doing well. Martha, what's your number five? My number five, you're going to laugh, I think, because it's something I actually struggle with, and it's decisiveness. I, I have a hard time making decisions about dinner and where we want to go for a date or something like that, but... In the workplace, when I am in leadership and I know what my goal is that I need to accomplish, I don't have any problem making that decision. Well, let's put a clarifi- clarifier on there. Now, we we've need just, to. <laughs> on Facebook yesterday, I know not everybody's on my Facebook page personally, but Martha has a decided way she likes the towels folded, folded at home, and she has no problem telling me how, the, how they, they need to be done. fit in the cupboard better. They fit in the, did you know, ladies and gentlemen, there are three ways to fold towels. At the Brangenbergs. The, there's the way that people fold them like a square, then there's one way to fold them rectangular. There's Martha's way to fold them rectangular. And yesterday I invented a new way for corner cabinets. He did. He actually folded all of the towels in triangles and left them that way. That's right. Because if you're going to be decisive, go ahead and be decisive. Okay, so decisiveness <laughs> is is important to you. And, and But you do that all day long. I think when I'm around you, you just are like, well... I don't need to make the decision. Jim's going to make it if I just don't say anything. But yeah, you're very decisive. Well, I like to let you lead, and I like to let you make decisions like when because you know my tastes and you know what I like. Um, but I. But sometimes I get tired of leading. I know, I know. But as as a leader in my job and in a, a leader in a business setting, it's important to be able to be decisive and to. But then to also be able to go back and say, you know what, I made a quick decision that maybe wasn't a good decision. I did that today in a simple example where somebody asked me something and I said, no, we should do it this way. And then I'm like, oh, that, you know what, let's rethink that. Let's go back and look at it. Tell me why we should do something different. And we did come up with a different solution that was better. And and that's powerful to just be able to admit, yeah, maybe I wasn't right there. I I had uh, one of the guys that I I mentor in their business, uh, he corrected me on something today, and I step back and I'm like, yep, you're right. You're right. It doesn't happen very often, but you're right. Okay. (laughs) All right. So let's just review your top five traits of a great Christian leader. Submission to God. Definitely number one. Continues to learn, having the aware of their influence. Be optimism and decisiveness. All right. My top five were submission to God, number two, integrity, number three, recognizing the value in others, number four, seeking good, godly advisors, and number five, not being afraid for others to succeed. 
All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, no, I'm not going to play the cruise commercial over and over and over again. And we're just waiting for some more sponsors on the show. But in the meantime, I want to fill that up. Martha and I want to invite you personally to join us on that cruise February 5th through the 9th, 2015. Just look for more details on our website, iworkforhim.com. On Thursday's show, we'll be continuing our discussions on this week's theme, leadership. We'll be joined once again by Dr. Janine Perolini. She will be joining us to talk about transformational servant leadership. And that is going to be a fantastic discussion. We started talking. She wrote a book on this that I found. Martha found. She gave it to me. I read. It's a great book. Make sure you tune in. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in the workplace. I'd like for you and your business to support the vision of I Work For Him. Contact me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com to find out how you can be a part of the I Work For Him show. On the I Work For Him website, you'll find tons of great resources, including the show schedule, the guest schedule, and all kinds of recommended reading resources for incorporating Christ into your workplace. I Work For Him is found on Facebook. We'd love for you to like us on Facebook. Just search for I Work For Him. Martha, you did a great job as my co-host today. This was fun. We had a good time today. It was good. It was fun. We should do this more often. Okay. How How about about next next Tuesday? Tuesday? All right, next Tuesday. Very good. All right. (laughs) We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.